Can learning transform your life? This is Impact Learning with Maria Zinedou, a podcast where you will hear personal stories about how we learn, work, and live in the connection economy. Together with her guests, she will teach you to design your learning journey and create the life you want. On today's episode... Early in my career, I would design these amazing lectures and uh, experiences and activities where I would tell the kids what they needed to know. And they would set out on a journey to learn what I wanted them to learn. And now, the biggest change is that I'm just skilled at asking questions that help others figure out what they want to learn. Hey, it's Maria, and you are listening to Impact Learning. Our guest today is Melissa Emler from Modern Learners. She goes by Missy. Missy started her work as an English teacher and a special educational teacher, and then a 4K to 12 principal. She also served as an Ed Admin Program Coordinator at the University of Wisconsin. She joined Modern Learners as a Community Manager in 2016, and in January of 2018, she became one of the co-owners. For our listeners who are not familiar with uh, Modern Learners, it is an online private network for um, uh, leaders in schools and educational leaders who are really driving change in schools. And she's honored to coach over 1,000 school leaders in 22 countries. So without further ado, Missy, welcome to Impact Learning. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited that you're up and running with this podcast. It's fabulous. It's a pleasure to have you today. So I'm very familiar with the work you do at Modern Learners, but for our listeners who are not familiar and they, and they hear about a Modern Learners first time, how would you describe the community of Modern Learners? Our work at Modern Learners is really to support school leaders in becoming schools of modern learning. In our 10 principles white paper, we define what that actually means and then the work that we do at Modern Learners, both in our community Um, our online social community, as well as the online coaching that we do, is we really help people dive deeper into the lens of modern learning and change their practices to align better with their beliefs, as well as um, helping people to understand the impact of the modern world on learning in schools and what we can do to sort of bridge all of the changes that are happening in the world and make the classrooms more relevant. How did uh, Modern Learners start? Modern Learners started in 2012. And basically what happened was uh, my co-founders, Bruce Dixon and Will Richardson, they were both in Australia. Will was there doing um, a keynote for a conference and Bruce was taking him from the conference to the airport. And they were talking about how much work there is to do and, and what the work really was. And they stopped for dinner prior to going to the airport and they decided at dinner that they would start Modern Learners with the goal of 
serving more leaders by helping leaders sort of know and understand what was happening in the world. And then with that knowledge, be able to change the practices that they were doing and also to get themselves off of the road. They were both traveling quite a bit. And so the goal was to get them off the road and provide more online coaching and learning opportunities for people. Um, so they produced content, quite a significant amount of content between 2012 and 2016, most of which is still relevant. But then they brought me on board to help with marketing and product development. And so they tried to figure out what they could do to actually create a sustainable business so that they could continue doing the work. And so that's what I helped them do. When, and then in 2017, we created Change School, which is an eight-week masterclass group coaching model that's a pretty intense deep dive into modern learning. And it's in Change School that we do 56 hours of coaching for our Change Schoolers in about eight weeks. And that's where it started. So we started in 2012 and we kind of kicked off and started really becoming what we are um, in 2017 with the launch of Change School. And now we have several other products in the world that are helping us live the mission of helping school leaders lead their schools to becoming schools of modern learning. How did you get to meet them? That's an interesting story. <laughs> so I actually met Will and Bruce. Well, first of all, I was an English teacher and I followed Will's work and his blog when he was also an English teacher. And I followed his work online and implemented so many things that he had done in his classroom into mine. But then in 2014, I met Will and Bruce at the Bright Bites Summit, which is Bright Bites is a tool that people use to sort of measure the combination of tech and learning in their schools. And Will and Bruce were the keynote speakers at this particular summit. And I went there for um, my work in my region. I do a lot of work with educational technology. And so we happened to be in the same place at the same time. And that's where we met. And I had quite the impact on Will, I think, because um, <laughs> we sat at the same table and had some pretty good, interesting conversations. And then I reached out to him in 2016 and um, just was talking to him about some of the work they were doing. And then that's when we decided to connect. And that's when I decided to start working with Broadward Learners to help them spread the work further. Were you looking to like a change from being an English teacher and being at schools uh, to actually becoming like a community manager, which is, I guess, a very different kind of work as I see it. Like were, were you looking for that kind of change or it happened because you met them? So I was an English teacher and then I was a special ed teacher and then I became a principal and my principal position led me to working in my regional service agency. And so I, in my work with these 31 schools, I support them doing the full array of implementation of lots of different initiatives. So I essentially serve in the role of consultant for the schools that I serve. Because I believe in the message and the work of modern learners, you know, and the connection that I had with Will and Bruce as people, when the opportunity presented itself, it was a natural fit. And it, it just led me down this road of then becoming a community manager. So my work has evolved even from the time I became a community manager with Modern Learners to now becoming a co-owner and more in charge of operations and marketing. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I try to think of the persona of uh, who are the leaders that you are seeking to serve with the community? How would you describe them? They're all trying to do something different inside of their schools to make school more relevant for their learners. They've taken the stance that standardized testing is just one piece of the learning experience and the learning journey. And they're really interested in providing environments where students have more agency over what they learn, how they learn, and when they learn. And so that's, that's sort of the combined desire when they come in. Everybody wants to create a school where students have more ownership in the work. So if I'm an educator and I'm, I think of everything you said and I want to increase learner agency and help students learn better, are there certain things or fears or anything around me that may stop me? And how do you help the leaders to overcome their fears or hesitations and see a different way forward that they can really increase learners' agency? How do you do that? Well, the first thing that we notice is that in a lot of schools and a lot of the leaders that come to us, they don't have a lot of conversations with kids. And we feel like the first step in designing an environment where agency is honored and respected and, and championed, that the first thing that has to happen is we have to start talking to students about their learning. And once we start to do that, and if we intentionally listen to what the students are saying, and then make adjustments to meet the needs of our learners, agency is what starts to come out of those conversations. So it's really just a matter of starting to talk to kids more than what they do originally. Some of the things they fear when they start to do that and when they start to make changes from a full-scale vantage point, they start to worry about, well, what will happen to the standardized test scores or what will happen to grading and should we really be grading and what is the purpose of school? And so all of the questions start to get much deeper the longer that they are with us. But the real first step in getting to agency is really having conversations with kids about what they learn, when they learn, and how they learn. And sometimes learners and kids don't necessarily know what to say the first time they're asked because it's such an unusual question for them. But the more you ask, the more reflective they'll become. And the more opportunities there will be for teachers and administrators to learn from the students in the building. And how do, how do you teach them to do that? Do you provide them like a framework? Is it part of uh, what the programs are that you are offering to teachers and leaders? We look at everything through our modern learner's lens, which is comprised of beliefs. So what do we believe about how students learn most powerfully and deeply? And then we look at the context of the modern world. So what is happening in the modern world that impacts what we believe about learning as well as how we create the practices. So what happens in our classroom every day because of what's going on in the world or because of what we believe about learning. And so we, we look at those three areas, the, again, the beliefs, the context of the modern world, and the practices that happen in our classrooms every day. So we look at all three of those things 
and look for the intersections of those. What we see many, many times is that our practices don't match what we believe. And sometimes the modern world has changed so drastically that we haven't considered the impact of those changes on what we do every day or on what we believe. And yet all of those changes make it almost impossible to continue doing school the way school's always been done. And so without really examining all pieces of the learning context, then we have a hard time making changes to what children experience in school. And so therefore, school starts to become irrelevant. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying now to, to think, uh, like if I, if I am one of these teachers who is driving change and I'm going through the process that you explained, so everything that I collect and all the insights that I bring back from students and from the, you know, the, the process of making the change, now, do I bring that back to the community? Do I share this with the other educators? Do I share this with you? What do I do with that now to keep moving forward with the change? The first thing that we encourage people to do is to never do this work in isolation Mm -hmm. and to avoid trying to do it one classroom at a time. We encourage people to get together either as a school community or as a district community and really work hard at defining your beliefs about learning. And in the process of defining your beliefs about learning, you'll work together and build really strong relationships so that you can see these changes across the community happening simultaneously. Right now in education, we have lots of classrooms that are innovative and they have great teachers that are high-flying and doing really awesome, different things. But what we really want is for that to not be the exception, but that to become more like the norm. And in order for that to happen, school communities, whole school communities, parents, teachers, students, administrative teams, they need to work together and start with defining their beliefs about learning. If you ask learning communities what they believe about learning, most of them will not be able to have a cohesive and coherent definition of learning that they build everything they do around. Typically, those of us in the field of education and those of us focused on learning take learning for granted as if everyone understands what it is. But in reality, we haven't done enough work to really think about what it is. And so what ends up happening is we have lots of types of learning. So there's lots of adjectives in front of the word learning in a lot of communities. We have flipped learning, online learning, e-learning, blended learning, cooperative learning, project-based learning. And what our work is, is to really help people understand what learning really is, and then to design and create the conditions for learning to happen. And there's really a distinction between what learning is and then designing to create the conditions to actually have learning take place. I love that. I love that. It's amazing that you said that. Please, please continue. Well, so, you know, a lot of times the types of learning, you know, the adjectives in front of learning are not bad. 
you know, it's not a bad idea to have flipped learning or blended learning or cooperative learning. But if you don't know what learning is, then people start to think of those adjectives as the silver bullet. But because our learners are so different from each other and there are so many variabilities into what students' preferences are, how they learn, what they learn, when they learn, and how they prefer to learn, then you know, cooperative learning might actually not yield learning for the learner. So, so the goal is to really help the learners identify the skills that are necessary for learning and think more about what's necessary for learning and less about the mode of delivery. Because when it's delivering content, it's actually teaching. And so we also work really hard at distinguishing between learning and teaching. Teaching and teachers are very important to the learning process. But it's really important that we understand that when we talk about flipped learning and blended learning and cooperative learning, we're really talking about a delivery model. So we're really talking about teaching. Mm -hmm. You got me thinking now. I think you explained everything that I, uh, unbelievable. This is, this is really beautiful, especially the difference between learning and teaching and, and that it's, there's no one way. So we define, we, we borrow from Seymour Saracen's definition of learning which if Will was on the call, he could recite it word for word, but I hone in on the fact that the definition of learning from Seymour Saracen that we subscribe to is wanting to learn more. So we know we're learning when we want to learn more. This is so beautiful. I love it because sometimes people told me um, that my superpower is learning. Many actually have said that, but it's like almost like water, like, like air. I cannot live without it. Like it's, yes. When I have days that I, of course, I have days that I am in a very much operational, executional mode. And I, you know, I, I move things forward. And like, even if I don't have a little bit of time to learn something new or to stop to think about, I, I know it. Like, like something feels uncomfortable. It doesn't feel right. And I know that like, I really actually now I know it. And I do it, of course, I, I do a lot of intentional learning. But I, I actually need to have a little bit space, time, even in a very, what I call, full day. So I can fulfill this need because it does feel like I'm out of air or I'm out of water. Yes. You talk about learning in relationship to air and water. And both of those things are very, they happen naturally. They're in the natural environment. And we really believe that we want to focus on the natural environment where learning can take place. And school is one of the most unnatural environments that there is where learning takes place. It's because we're trying to contrive learning experiences in an unnatural environment. And so the, the goal is to create conditions at school that mimic as closely as possible a natural learning environment, very similar to early learning environments. If we can bring some of those, some of the expertise and, and theories around early learning and carry that with us all the way through school, I think we'll get closer to the end result that we want. So if I am new to modern learners and I want to get involved and learn from you, where do I start first? The first thing that we would encourage you to do is read the 10 Principles for Schools of Modern Learning white paper. And you, anybody can get that and read the whole thing online. It's at modernlearners.com slash 10p white paper. But in that white paper, 
it defines what we believe modern learning is through the 10 principles that we want to help you growing in your skill set in those areas. And so from after the white paper, um, people tend to take our modern learning audit, our 10 principles audit, which is available at that same site. And basically that is a series of 40 questions that uh, four questions for each principle. And it kind of gives you a starting point. It's kind of like a personality test, although this is with specific observable things in your schools. And then you take that and you kind of hone in on each principle and figure out what you need for that. And just recently we released the 10 principles online course that will help you dive deeper into whatever principle you need to dive into. So then after that, that's typically um, when you do the 10 principles course, that's typically when you enter the community and have the opportunity to engage in change school with us, which is where we do all of that group coaching. So we tend to believe that you start, everything you do with us starts with that 10 principles for schools of modern learning white paper. And we bring you along on a journey um, with varying levels of interaction with us along the way. From the 10 principles, are there a few of them that resonate with more of leaders and teachers? So there's not really one that's more important than the other, but we definitely encourage people to start with unifying their beliefs and really getting on the same place about what we learn, what we believe, and how we believe students learn most powerfully and deeply. Let's say I would take the 10 principles e-learning course. Is that just videos? Is it, or is, do I start to have interactions with the community? How do I get into the community? Yep. So when you do the online course, you'll be in, inside of the community. And that's where the social part of learning happens for us, all of the questions. So all of the content is in the course, but the real learning happens when you have the conversations around the specific questions and deliverables that surface through the course and the content. But it's with other people that you can really get the feedback and the conversations you need to really deepen that thinking. And so that happens inside of the community and we have the course and the content and the community all in the same place for you. Okay. And are, are these discussions around, let's say, general themes and the principles or do, do we also bring specific, let's say, projects or activities related to the change we want to make in our individual school? We do specifically talk about the principles in the community, but each month the community also has a broader theme because once you're in the 10 principles course, you're also in this community for, for, for however long you decide to be in the community. And so we do specific themes each month. Um, last month, our theme was on leading learning and going forward, our next theme is on belonging and the impact of belonging on student learning and how we can create environments where people feel like they belong so that they can learn and have an impact on their environment. And from belonging, we're moving into equity. So while people are there to talk about the 10 principles and think about that content, there's also additional conversations going on that anyone is able to participate in related to the theme, um, and we change the theme each month. But those conversations are really 
really intentional and deep. It's a social environment, and many people might think about Facebook or Twitter as a place to go for professional learning. But what we're finding in our private social community, we're finding the conversations going deeper and being less noisy and more focused, but definitely going deeper than what we typically experience in open social. And do these conversations happen, let's say, in the broader community? Or do you find that people tend to aggregate, let's say, in what I call micro-communities or smaller groups and smaller teams? So we have live events inside of the community and people can join us through the video conferencing tool. And we, we get anywhere from 10 to 25 people in our live events participating in the conversation in those live events. So the, the micro communities happen in the online space, mostly because of time zones and availability and schedules. Mm-hmm. But the, the asynchronous communication and the social, the private social network, that's open to everyone. And while the events are open to everyone, they happen at various times throughout the day and different community managers are facilitating them and different people tend to show up based on either the ideas being discussed or the time of day. But we tend to be able to get very intimate in those online virtual, conf- virtual conferences and, and meetings and events. Mm-hmm. I have experienced online communities the way you describe them, private and very much intentional. And it's always like that. Yes. Well, and I think that it comes back to what I was saying in connection to creating the conditions for learning. And so, you know, when people develop uh, Facebook and Twitter, they're not creating the conditions for learning. They're creating the conditions maybe for connecting or advertising or any number of other things could be the goal of creating that type of a network. But when you come into Modern Learners community, this community is designed to create the conditions for learning. And so we are going to try to meet the variability of all of our members in some way or another. And we typically ask them to communicate or to participate at the level they feel comfortable with as well as asking them what they need in a high-touch onboarding situation. So when they join the community, we reach out to them to make sure they have what they need in order for them to learn. I I like how you bring all that together to learning. Mm -hmm. So in addition now to the online, I guess, forum and discussions, which is all private, you also have the Modern Learner Labs, which is different. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's, it's an actually a place for our community to meet up in person. And it's also an, an opportunity for us to expand the conversation to a face-to-face environment. And we use the face-to-face environments to meet people that have joined us online. So they might gather with us and join us for the day of learning face-to-face. Or we might just have people join us face-to-face and then then they join the online community. So it's sort of a wraparound as a way to meet people and also to bring people into the community, but also to then take people who are in the community and really bring that face-to-face in real life connection to the people who join us. And the conversations at the labs are very similar to the conversations that happen in the community. But it's just, again, creating the conditions for learning and meeting the variability of learners so that we 
don't exclude anyone if we don't have to. Mm -hmm. And how frequently do you have these labs? Um, well, our team is really remote. So my co-founders, Will, li lives in New Jersey, and Bruce lives in Australia, and I live in Wisconsin. And so we use the labs, we try to do the labs in a series so that we can blend in business retreats and meetings for the three of us and our team, along with a couple of labs to make the travel uh, really purposeful and intentional. And so we try to do like a series of labs each season. And how often do you offer uh, the Change School program? Uh, we do the Change School program three times a year. And because we have a global audience, we serve people in over 22 countries in our Change School program. I, I can't say fall, winter, spring, or I can't use seasons because they're not the same around the world. <laughs> and I can't use evenings or mornings because, of course, you know, it depends on the time zone and the, the hemisphere you're living in. But we typically kick off a change school in February, June, and September. So there's usually about a month in between closing one out and starting another. And uh, the change school cohorts run for eight weeks at a time. Now you have run quite a few of them since you started. Yeah, we'll start cohort eight in June. Very nice. Yeah. So any big surprise running the change school program or anything that you did not anticipate? I think the biggest thing we've learned is that it doesn't matter what country you live in or what politics guide you, what type of school you serve in, or even if you don't serve in a school. What we've learned is that there are more similarities than there are differences across all learning environments. And when the focus is on creating the conditions for learning, there's a lot of shared experience that can really have an impact. I want to take a step back now and, uh, and look at your life and work. So you started as a teacher and now you are a co-owner and also a coach. And I can only imagine that your the kind of work you do now is very different than the work you started doing. I guess through my lenses, I may be wrong. So how big of a change has it been for you from being a teacher to being now a co-owner of modern learners? Yeah, I would say the work for me has always been the same. I feel like I'm a teacher, always. I think that's what I've always wanted to do. And so in work, life, business, school, I've always wanted to be a teacher. But over the years, what's changed the most is the way in which I create the conditions for learning. And every decision I make in relation to anything that I'm teaching always is intentional. And I'm always thinking about if this happens, this could happen or this could happen. And I've also gotten much better at teaching through inquiry. And so early in my career, I would design these amazing lectures and uh, experiences and activities where I would tell the kids what they needed to know. And they would set out on a journey to learn what I wanted them to learn. And now the biggest change is that I'm just skilled at asking questions that help others 
figure out what they want to learn. And then I guide them as they start to learn those things that they want to learn. That's amazing. And how did you learn to do that? I work with Will and Bruce in our, <laughs> on our Modern Learners team, and they are amazing models for asking the right questions at the right time. And we are all relentless advocates for learning. And I think what made the biggest impact on me was when I really internalized that learning is the goal and teaching is different than learning. I appreciate so much that you, you, you talk about the difference between teaching and learning because I think that's, that's, that's the essence. Yes. And that, and that can drive change. And, and I think, you know, there's danger in doing that from a collegial perspective because when people hear me say, I'm a relentless advocate for learning, they think that means that I'm anti-teacher. And I'm not. I am a teacher. But my goal is not to teach. My goal is to create the conditions for learning to take place. Because then you can remove yourself, let's say, from the classroom or, so, or from the group, and they can continue to learn because you, taught, yeah, because you taught them the principles. Or, and uh, yeah, you have showed them how to design their learning journey versus you know, giving them a, a, a roadmap step by step how to teach and how to learn. Absolutely. So, do you have a secret superpower that helps you to do what you do? <laughs> That's a really great question. I never think about my superpower. Um, I think I would say that I'm, I'm a learner. You know, that's, that's my superpower. Just like you said earlier in the conversation that it was your superpower. I, I think that it's my superpower also. And like I said, I'm a relentless advocate for learning. And that's what guides me in all the decisions that I make about the business of modern learners, about the work that I do to serve the schools in my region. And I love to learn and I love to help people want to learn more. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, I usually ask, what is the single thing you would like to change in your lifetime? If there is one thing that you could put your mark what would that be? I think I know the answer, but I want to ask this question. For me personally, I would like to change what is celebrated in schools. I want schools to celebrate learning and not achievement. And that can come in the form of grades or standardized test scores or champion, athletic championships. But I think all of those things are fine to celebrate for, for a moment or two. But I think culturally, we need to shift the narrative to celebrating learning instead of celebrating achievement. <laughs> That's just beautiful. It warms my heart <laughs> to hear that. I mean, I'm, I'm an advocate for learning. Like, I think the same way you are, Missy. And it really warms my heart to think and, and hope that, you know, this is the way we are we were moving forward and I see change. I see because I talk, I talk with students and educators and teachers and I see, well, I, at least I hear more discussions uh, you know, about learning mm -hmm. uh, rather than I hear about, uh, you know, achievement, which is something, I mean, you know, you and I have been, you know, raised and conditioned in that, in this system more than, you know, 
the young yeah. students today. So we have more in, in our head. However, I see that around me, that it's more discussion now about learning. And this is really very hopeful and, and really makes me happy. Yes, me too. <laughs> very nice. So um, where can our listeners find you? You can find me. I'm Melissa Emler everywhere on social, on Insta and Twitter and LinkedIn, Facebook sometimes. But if you want to learn more about Modern Learners, the best way to do that is just to go to modernlearners.com and you can download any of the white papers and that will get you connected with our work. Thank you. Again, Miss, it was such a pleasure. I really, every time I talk with you, it's, uh, it's so wonderful. But every time I learn more things. And today I think I learned uh, more things <laughs> from you. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and uh, all that you work for. And you're very passionate. It's been a pleasure having your impact learning. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope you found this episode useful. If you enjoy listening to Impact Learning, I would appreciate if you would share it with your friends who are interested in the future of learning and work. You could also leave us a review on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform. A new episode of Impact Learning will be published every Thursday. Thanks for listening. And remember, we can talk about learning, we can design it, or we can do both. This is Impact Learning. I'm your host, Maria Zenidu. Till next time.